Blog Talk Radio. Joining us for Three Women, Three Ways, we're the show that tackles some pretty significant topics that you may not hear on the mainstream media, and among those topics is abortion. And I have to tell our guest, I have to tell all of you, that I've tended to stay away from abortion topics because they're so hot and people get so um, uh, adamant about their position one way or the other. And to be quite honest with you, I can understand both both sides of the position, Um, but... um, this topic, I think it's time to uh, for us to tackle it. I was reading, I have been reading uh, for several months, and uh, probably the better part of, 19, uh, of 2014, about different legislatures in different states that have attempted and so in some cases succeeded in uh, enacting legislation that restricts abortion. Now, since the early 70s, we've had um, some uh, working uh, models and definitions and procedures of uh, what it is to have an abortion and what's allowed and permitted by law. And it seems like recently we've just had a huge push to start changing that. And one of the things that, that uh, made me decide to actually tap, tackle this topic was I read a news story yesterday out of Missouri, which is just one of many states which have done this, and there is a state representative in Missouri who, his name is Bratton, I think, B-R-A-T-T-I-N, I think that's how you pronounce it, and he has proposed legislation. He's proposed a bill that would require a woman to seek the father's, her, not her father, but the baby's father, uh, permission before she undergoes an abortion. And that immediately uh, brings to mind a number of things, and among those, of course, is the, you know, are there exceptions to this? What what are the exceptions? And um, he came right out and said that, yes, a, a rape would be an exception, but it would have to be a legitimate rape, and presumably that means legitimate in his mind. So I wanted to address this topic, and we have with us a very qualified guest who will uh, talk to us about this. And I would like to give out our phone number right away. It's 646-378-0430. 646-378-0430. Now our guest today is uh, Reverend Rebecca Turner. She grew up in Missouri and uh, has a has gone to theological seminary. She's actually a, a, a minister, and uh, I don't think you know denomination necessarily matters, but you can talk about that if you'd like, Reverend. And uh, she's won a number of awards, and she is also uh, here to help me uh, talk about this uh, legislation that's been proposed. Welcome, Reverend Turner. Thank you so much, Heather. It's really a pleasure to be with you today. Great, thank you. And is Rebecca okay? Yes, it is. Okay, great, great. Tell us, please, about Faith Aloud, which is an organization that you head up or speak for. I do. I'm executive director of Faith Aloud, and that is uh, for the listeners that spelled A-L-O-U-D. Um, the uh, double meaning of aloud is intended there. Um, because we speak out on issues that uh, especially people of faith sometimes are very hesitant to talk about. And 
Um, those those issues tend to you know come at the intersections of religion, politics, uh, and sexuality. We we think intersectionally about issues, and we're deeply concerned about uh, the ways that our culture um, limits ability the ability of women to make their own decisions about their bodies and to um, you know, to access health care, to be able to raise their children in healthy educational environments. Um, you know, the whole gamut of making our culture a safer, better place for women. Mm-hmm. And you are not hesitant about speaking out about abortion rights. Um, I have seen that in your literature. What do you think of Representative Bratton's proposal, his proposed bill that requires permission from the father of the child before a woman can abort? Yeah, this is And that's for any reason. That's for any reason that she yes. uh, chooses to abort. Um, this is the second time that he has uh, pre-filed this bill. He did it uh, a year ago as well, and it did not go anywhere in our session. Um, I hope it dies. A, a quick death this time around as well, um, but it has garnered more national attention this time because of his outlandish public comments. Um, my, you know, my immediate reaction to the bill itself is the audacity to say that women need a permission slip to do anything in their lives. We have yet in this country. Um, to actually decide that women are full, independent, autonomous human beings. Um, and you know, it, it, it's simply preposterous that women need permission slips to go about you know, anything in their lives. I don't care if it's abortion or contraception or um, you know, getting a job or getting a loan, uh, buying a house, <laughs> whatever it is. There, there was a time... Um, you know, not so long ago, back in the 60s, when women had to have permission to do all of those things that I named. And I thought we had reached that point in the 70s where we decided women were full human beings and they didn't require permission slips uh, from a man in order to act independently uh, for whatever is in their own best interest. And yet here it comes again. And, it, you know, well, the representative. The representative said that he's proposing that legislation because his doctor required him to get permission from his wife before he had a vasectomy. And yeah, I've done I a little research. There's certainly no and, and yeah. Although there's, there's an no. individual an individual clinic might have that requirement, but there's no law that says that a man has to get anybody's permission before getting a vasectomy. No, um, and, and the doctor may have said, how does your wife feel about this? But I seriously doubt that she got to sign a permission form. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find that preposterous too. And and you know until I've seen it, I don't really believe that. Um, you know I think it's typical that to say to uh, to do some sort of permanent birth control procedure uh, for a married person that the doctor is going to say, how does your spouse feel about this? You know have you discussed this? You know because if it's a permanent action. You want to know that the person's not going to come back, you know, later and say, "Oh, can you reverse that?" Um, 
but but it's not a state law and but these sort of arguments are used pretty regularly about women's reproductive health you know oh well i had to wait you know several days before i could see my doctor and have some sort of procedure so women should be forced to wait 72 hours before they can go through with an abortion you know and again it's there's a difference between whatever um whatever just practice is and what state law is. And when you're putting these things into law, that's where it becomes incredibly insulting to women that, uh, and, and you know, by far most of our legislators are white males. And, the, you know, it's so insulting that they believe that they can decide what a woman um, can do with her body medically. Mm-hmm. Well, and we do a lot of conversations on this show about domestic violence. And my first thought was, oh, my God, domestic violence is about control. What better way to control a woman yes, than exactly. to... And we do know that... that first of all, have her have another child that right. will tie her even more strongly to you. And secondly of all, to let her know that you have ultimate control over her. Exactly. Um, When a man becomes upset about the possibility of a woman having an abortion, that is not always because he personally wants to raise a child. It can Mm -hmm. be, as you said, about his desire to control the woman. And, you know, both men and women need to think carefully before, you know, bringing a child into the world because a child does tie you together um, in, in ways that nothing else can. It ties you together legally until that child is of age, and I think it ties you together long after that as well when you have co-parented a child. So it, it, it is a means of control for many men um, that they simply want to have the final say you know, in exactly what a woman does. Well, and having given birth um, and knowing a lot of women who have had um, abortions as well as babies, this is not a, a, a fly-by-night thing. You don't go, oh, gosh, I'm pregnant, I'll get rid of it. Yeah. Um, for every woman I know who's had an abortion, it has been an agonizing decision and usually made because of things that she can't control. I think the image, and I think in reading these articles, some of these stories that have been written about the representative, uh, is it Batten or Bratton? Bratton. Um, Bratton, you know, how appropriate, um, it, that um, he kind of has this, this this feeling that women who have abortions are just kind of like doing it to neener, 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 and because they don't want anything to interfere with their careers or they don't want anything to uh, interfere with their level of income. And I have to say, you know, I'm getting a little long in the tooth here. I've been around for a long time, and I have never seen a woman um, use those criteria for choosing to have an abortion? Those that want to outlaw all abortion keep in, use the word um, convenience a lot. You know, oh, it's just that it's inconvenient for her to have a baby, as if being able to hold down a job was just a matter of convenience, you know, as, mm-hmm. as, if, as if being able to get an education was just a matter of convenience, um, and, in, yeah. and as if raising a child is ever convenient. <laughs> it never is. <laughs> Well, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, not... Yeah. A... I, have, I have three adult children, and I, I know very well the the trauma <laughs> of raising yes. kids. And, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. 
women decide to have children or not to have children based on convenience is, again, it's insulting. The words that they use about women, and especially about pregnant women, um, are, are very insulting, as, as if women do not know their own minds, as if women do not think carefully or rationally about important things, and, and as if they simply cannot know, you know, what to do. Um, and, yes. and I think or that they might make some sort of fly-by-night, you know, regret-later decision without thorough, thoroughly thinking it. Yeah, um, and and I think even more so, you know, the the arguments really indicate that there are a lot of people out there that that think that um, you know a a potential life, a fertilized egg, is more of a person than. Uh, a full adult woman, you know, that we have yet to really decide on personhood for women. <laughs> we, do, we do a lot of arguing about personhood for zygotes, but I think we need to have that real conversation about personhood for women, which grants them, you know, complete autonomy in their own lives at, in the same way that men well, what was it, Just about 100 years ago where the big discussions were whether women have souls? I mean, you know, um, you know I... I I mean, that's 100 years ago, which in the scheme of things is not that long ago. No, so, it really is. And in some ways it's still uh, a part of the same argument. You know, well, do they have enough of a soul to make a moral decision? You know, do they have enough of a soul to, you know, be able to decide whether or not they can uh, have a baby and raise a child? Um, and, you know, and as a Christian minister, I want to say, yes, they do have that entire soul. <laughs> they they have, they have a complete soul that is theirs and theirs alone, and they are responsible only to God you know, for moral decisions that they make. And, um, and you know, women are moral beings, um, and they are fully autonomous beings. And, you know, we as women need to be affirmed in our ability to make important decisions. We don't need to be constantly harangued about it. Yeah. Well, let's look at this issue not just from whether abortion is a woman's right or not, um, because quite frankly, right now it is. Um, When we are looking at the issue of abortion, we're not only looking at the pros and cons of abortion, but we're also looking to to the fact of do we need to legislate abortion? Um, I know in the 70s, you know, when we got, um, we had, abortion became legal because of, um, what was it, Roe versus Wade back in the 70s. But do we need to legislate it? Do we have to have any law, if something is legal, do we have to legislate about it? Um, well, even Roe v. Wade did uh, restrict abortion. It, you know, it restricted abortion to the first two trimesters. And then in the third trimester, only in uh, medically necessary situations, you know, that that the mother's life and health were in danger, um, or that it was determined that the uh, the health of the fetus was completely incompatible with life, and as could also impact the woman's health and life. Um, so, so there were restrictions even you know, when Roe became the law. But uh, the the Supreme Court then later decided that the states could legislate the specifics as long as they held to 
the you know original intent that there was access to abortion in the first specifically in the first two trimesters um and we have seen you know i i think in the introduction you said it seems that very recently you know there's just been this incredible number of uh new restrictions on abortion that have been attempted around the country and that's true but it's not really that recent for those of us you know out here in the midwest in the hinterlands in the bible belt We've seen these restrictions for well over a decade now, and it's not unusual in the Missouri legislature for us to see uh, a dozen or more bills filed every single year that somehow place new restrictions on access to contraception or abortion. And How many of those pass? Um, Typically, one or two of them pass, or they turn several of them into an omnibus bill and pass that. Those are the really scary years. Um, so, so every and honestly, I, you know, I've been doing this work in Missouri for 14 years now, and there was only one year out of those 14 that there was not a new abortion restriction passed in Missouri. Um, and so, we have in Missouri some of the most restrictive laws about a woman's ability to actually have an abortion already. And and people often don't realize that, you know, and if they're asked, oh, should we, you know, make these different restrictions, the general public will say, well, yeah. And, and then, you know, but if we poll them in such a way that we say, well, let me tell you what restrictions there already are on abortion in Missouri, and we lay out the list of those, then people are often appalled. They really don't realize how very difficult it is. And many of those restrictions have been on the abortion providers themselves and have made it so difficult to provide abortion that we have only had one abortion provider in the entire state of Missouri for about three or four years now. Wow. Do women go out of state a lot to get that service if they need it? I'm sure they do, because the only abortion provider left is in St. Louis, where I am based. And, you know, so there are women who live much closer to another state than they do to St. Louis, since we're right on the uh, Missouri-Illinois border. And so they may live closer to Iowa or Kansas or Arkansas or even Tennessee or even Oklahoma. And so I'm sure that, you know, there are women that are closer to those places that travel to a city um, in those states. That would not be surprising or unusual. Um, but but we also know that women do travel from, you know, all over the state, especially from the middle of the state, from rural areas to St. Louis um, to access abortion. But then once they get here, you know, they have to have their, their first appointment, and then they're they're told to go away for 72 hours and just think about it. And if they've already driven five hours to to get to St. Louis, then what do they do? You know, do they drive back home and then have to take another day off work to come back? And um, you know, did, how? What are they doing? We know that at, at least half of the women who have abortions already have children. You know, so they have to arrange for childcare. They have to take off from their jobs. We know that, you know, for women in the state of Missouri, having a very low income is typical. That's the norm for women here. And, you know, when they have jobs where they can't just tell the boss, oh, I'm going to be gone, you know, tomorrow, and then four days later I'm going to be gone again. And 
so it, it's an incredible hardship for women, and that, that's only the law that was passed last year that <laughs> created that ridiculousness. So, um, you know, but, but women are told, you know, they're mandated by the state to lie to women about the, uh, the health dangers of abortion, which are simply not true. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's just all sorts of ways that, that women are being punished for becoming pregnant. You know, I, I think we really have a problem in this country with wanting to punish pregnant women. And, um, you know, pregnant women are vulnerable. They're at a vulnerable time of their lives. And, and I think we, as a culture, take advantage of that. I think many men take advantage of that vulnerability. We know that women who are in domestic violence uh, situations are much more likely to die at the hands of their partner if they are pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's, women are vulnerable when they're pregnant, and I think all of these laws are just more ways of not just insulting but really abusing pregnant women. Well, let's look at the other side here. Um, a man says, it's my baby. Why would she have the right to eliminate my baby? Um, and I think there's some merit to that. Um, it is certainly took two to make the baby, and hopefully it takes two to raise the baby. Unfortunately, that's not always the case, um, or even often the case. But uh, what about the, the people, the men who say, what about the father? Doesn't the father have any choice in anything here? Um, I really hope, you know, I, I am grateful for all those situations where the man is intimately involved with the woman in a way that is supportive and helpful and, and that she wants to seek his, um, his opinion, that she wants to seek his, his um, you know, his support, and, and that they're able to come to a decision together when a pregnancy is not really what they had intended at that moment in their lives. Um, you know, I, that's an ideal relationship situation, and a great many men do go with a woman into an abortion clinic and, and support her through that decision, and a great many men do, you know, help to bring a child into the world. Um, even when she's hesitant about that, but when she feels that she really has his support, then she's willing to make that decision to give birth. But we can't make it a law that universalizes that because that's not universal. And you know, the, the difficulty is that it, it may take exactly two <laughs> to, to create a pregnancy, but that means there's a 50-50 problem here. And, you know, it, it's one thing to say, well, he has just as much say, but the question is, does he have more say? Does he have veto power over her? Yeah, and, exactly. And my, my answer to that is, no, that can never be the case. He can't have veto power over her ultimate decision. And the reason he can't is because, you know, even if he says, I'll raise the child, I won't ask you for child support, I want a baby, you know, even if he says all of these things, the reality is that it, it's hers for the next nine months to carry. And we know nearly 300,000 women in the United States die every year from complications of pregnancy and childbirth. You know, it's simply um, a fantasy that pregnancy is the easiest thing in the world. We also know that 
50% of women who lose their jobs do so while pregnant. And, you know, that can't be an accident that all those women are losing those jobs. Even though it's illegal to fire a woman for being pregnant, you know, um, bosses will often give other um, excuses for the, the termination of employment, you know, that they've missed too much work. Well, they have to go to their medical appointments, you know, their prenatal appointments. Maybe they're having a complication with that pregnancy and they have to go to even more medical appointments, and then they lose their jobs. And so you know, it is the woman who is at risk because of this pregnancy. The man faces no risk reg- regarding the pregnancy. And that's why it ultimately, you know, has to be the woman's, um, you know, you know who, who gets the 51% vote in this. If two people have a vote, um, you know, and it's a tie. It, it's a tie. Who gets the tiebreaker? You know, and it is the woman that that gets that 51 percent and says, you know, you know, I'm sorry, I just can't go through with this. This because the risk is all mine. And um, and we, you know, what what I would pray for is that a woman who really cares about that woman that he is impregnated would want to be there to support her no no matter what. That doesn't mean he doesn't feel grief over the decision, it doesn't mean she doesn't feel grief. But, you know, if they decide that's the right decision for her, then um, then I hope that he is, he loves her enough to, you know, to be there and support. Mm-hmm. I have also, um, I know that there are a lot of women who have had abortions. I know some personally. Not because they particularly wanted them. If they had had the support of the father, they would have kept the baby but they were pressured into an abortion because of the father. Yeah, I if know you don't that, get that, that baby, then you know you you have you you it's either me or the baby or you know we can't afford that baby and what do we want another baby for? It's only going to interfere. Da, 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 da. And there's a lot of pressure, I think. Um I and I don't hear that very often in the discussions. I think that a lot of women do have abortions because he wants it. Um, yeah, that's, that's very probably true. Um, and here at Faith Aloud, we run a counseling service, and um, usually women, but sometimes men as well, call us from all over the country, and we connect them with clergy of their own faith that they can talk to, either um, when they're pregnant or after an abortion, at any point. doesn't matter whether it's two hours or... 20 years afterward, if they want to talk to a clergy person about that, they can. And, um, it, you know, just a couple of days ago, we had a call from a man who's, you know, whose partner was pregnant, and she'd made an appointment for an abortion, and he was real unhappy about that, but he wanted to talk to a clergy person. And so we arranged for that. And, you know, we, we get it that these are really difficult conversations to have. We get it that there is pain involved. Um, and and we do talk to many many women who who tell us that well you know the guy doesn't want her to have the child and, and so then we talk to her about you know well if if she really wants to have a child then certainly it's her decision and we help her figure out how she can be ready for that you know without that man in her life and is she prepared to have a child without that man in her life. And you know it can be awfully hard for her because she she thinks no I you know I really want to be with him but I want to have this baby too and mm-hmm. you know uh, I it's it's idealistic of me 
but I would really wish people would have these conversations before sex. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, that the man shouldn't be putting his sperm somewhere that, you know, inside a woman that does not want to have his baby. Um, yeah. And, the you know, if he wants to have a baby, then he needs to be putting his sperm inside a woman that wants to have his baby. <laughs> yeah. Or if he doesn't want that, then he needs to, um, you know, yeah, he needs to make say it. other choices. Yeah, yeah he needs know, to make other choices. Needs, they need to, you know, but they really need to talk about that well in advance. And and you know, and I get it that sometimes what seems right before you know you're pregnant is is not always the way it feels after you know you're pregnant. You know, the <laughs> with the women who call us for counseling, I all the time I hear. Women who say, I'm pro-life, I never thought I would even consider an abortion, but I think it's the right decision for me. And then just as many women who say, I'm pro-choice, and I always thought if I get pregnant and didn't want to be, I would just go have an abortion and it would be easy, and this isn't so easy after all. And so it is equally true for, for women who think they have a particular ideology or mindset to, once it's them, it's like, oh, you know, now stuff gets real. <laughs> it's yes. it's not just an idea anymore about what might happen under some perfect circumstances. It's here and it's now, and there's not a lot of deci- a lot of time to make a decision, and that's what that's what makes it hard for everyone. Absolutely, and again, I you know I I know a lot of women who've had abortions. Um, some people are okay with the decision. Some people have experienced guilt over the decision, um, you know, long term. But I have never met a woman who had an abortion who felt great about that decision. Um, there's there's always that feeling like I wish I didn't have to do that. Yeah. Well, I, I have had women who who felt you know, completely good about their decisions, you know, very happy about their decisions. And I wish more women just did because, you know, I don't want go- women going away feeling terrible. You know, why why do yeah. we want or expect women to feel terrible? Um, you know, if if they feel fantastic, good for them. Um, you know, it means they they felt great because they took control of their lives and, and it was, you know, an important moment for them to do that. But, you know, women feel all different ways, and they don't feel just one way, you know, either before an abortion or after an abortion, you know, and, and over the years. They it, they interpret that even in their lives in a lot of different ways. And, you know, but but our society really wants women to feel guilty and tells women. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> not just about abortion, by the way, but, you know, about the pregnancy, <laughs> about having yeah. sex with I, somebody that they are not married to or, you know about just being sexual human beings, you know, we know about the victim blaming, you know, in regard to rape. And, you know, our culture wants women to feel guilty. And it's yes. it's definitely true about abortion, that we want women to feel guilty about abortion. So sometimes women will say to us, you know, well, I know I'm going to regret this. I know I'm going to feel guilty. Or even what we hear is, I know God's going to send me to hell for this. And it's like, oh, really? whoa, let's unpack that. <laughs> let's let's figure out where that comes from that we're so sure of what, you know, that we deserve to be punished because of uh, this choice. And, uh, you know, where do we get those ideas that we deserve to feel bad, that we deserve to be punished? And, you know, and instead, you know what, 
I, what I want women to know is that God is with them, you know, and, and God understands their complete situation that they're in. And, and God's going to go with them through everything, you know, before, during, after. You know, God isn't rejecting them because they had sex or because they're pregnant or because they have decided that pregnancy is a bad idea or because they were raped or because, you know, they wanted to have a baby and that pregnancy went wrong and, you know, and now um, they need to have an abortion. Um, you know, God doesn't reject women on any of those bases. And, you know, I, I believe that for for all women who, you know, are typically people of faith, loving and trusting in God, that they they don't have to feel like God is off limits for them because of an abortion. And there's there's nothing in the Bible that says abortion is the unforgivable sin. And is it, I'm not a, a biblical scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but is that true? There's no does it the Bible address abortion in any way, shape or form? Um no, it doesn't. <laughs> and it's okay. one person you know, I've had people argue with me. Well, abortion didn't even exist, but in actuality, we oh, have his, yeah, we have historical records, and, um, and uh, we have you know historical records going back um, four thousand years about different methods of abortion. Um, but I, I said that one time in a public gathering, and a man came to me and said, um, I'm an archaeologist, and I want you to know that the archaeological evidence for abortion goes back at least 40,000 years. So, hmm. you know, as as long as women have been able to be pregnant, women have been able to figure out how to, <laughs> they, they how to get rid of it. How to not be pregnant. Um, yeah. You know, uh, well, and I, I've read things about Cleopatra, who was quite apparently um, skilled at birth control using abortion. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah, uh, I think that historically it it would be hard to argue that abortion hasn't existed. Um, I suspect it's existed as long as pregnancy has existed. Um, But going back to the legislator, one of his uh, admitted reasons for um, presenting this particular bill um, to get the permission slip. I call it the permission slip bill. Yeah. Is uh, And I want to get this quote right. He did a, apparently a local interview on an NBC affiliate, and he said that the reason that he filed House Bill 131 was a bid to stand up for men's rights, which he said had been eroded by feminists. How much of the abortion issue is control. All of it. All of it is. So you don't think that there are legitimately people who who just don't believe in abortion or believe that it... I, I mean, I can understand how a, a woman might think abortion is murder. I can understand that viewpoint. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can understand it. So I, you I, think... And I can understand that viewpoint as well, but when you put something into law, it's about control. Ah, okay. All right. And, you know, just, uh, you know, because one person or even one religion says this is what we believe, this, you know, does not mean that we can force that belief onto an entire populace and, you know, specifically onto 51% of our population. Um 
and you know that, that's the dividing line. I'm I'm totally okay with someone saying you know, and and in truth, lots and lots of people out there saying, you know, I, I'm totally opposed to abortion, but that doesn't mean I would tell somebody else what to do. I think that's a pretty good attitude to have. <laughs> And, you know, and but also because of what I said about, you know, it, there are so many women who say that they're pro-life, but they're sitting in abortion clinics or they're calling me saying I'm pro-life, but I really want to have an abortion. Um, because we don't know what would happen when it's us, you know, because we, we can't know how we would feel in a given situation until we're in that situation. And so it's, you know, if we're trying to pass laws upon more than half of our population, without ever being able to understand what it's like, then that's about control. Um, and it's, it can't be viewed in any other way. It's simply about control. Hmm. Kind of the ultimate control, um, really, I, I yeah. think, because, you know, when you're controlling... So one thing about controlling behavior, I, I think that there are numerous, numerous stories about prisoners of war, et cetera, et cetera, where, you know, you can do what you want to my body, but you can't, you can't take away what's in my head. Right. I think that um, when, you know, when we're looking at this kind of a decision to have an abortion, a lot of it is in a woman's head, that decision-making. And if you eliminate that process from her, then you're basically taking away what's in her head. I mean, that may be simplistic, but it's it's almost like a the ultimate control to me. Yeah, it's it's definitely well, to take away anybody's ability to make decisions, you know, is to say that you are not competent to make a decision. You know, where else are permission slips required? Well, before you turn 18 or 17, you know, yeah. <laughs> in public school you have to have a permission slip, you know, to, to do various things. You know, you have to have permission from your parents or from a teacher or, um, you know, and and then in, with adults, you know, we just say that, you know, if we take away their permission, we have to first declare them incompetent legally, you know, yeah. and... I think laws like this are legally declaring women incompetent to make very basic decisions about what's going to happen to them, and uh, you know, and that's that's to turn women into children again. That's that's to say that that they're not uh, that they're not mentally proficient enough, you know, to to simply move through society. That somebody else. Has to take care of them, um, you know, which so, was an idea that we 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 saw for centuries. Yes, um, we did. You know, um, yes, we did. And that's and, and that's the first know, thing that we're we're still yeah. fighting that 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 mentality has not left. At least yeah. not it hasn't left Middle America yet, where you know there's there's still very much you know an attitude that a wife belongs to a husband that a um, you know that a girlfriend belongs to a boyfriend, that a woman belongs to a man, has to do what he says, and you know this uh, legislator is is acting out of a very long tradition, um, which which is truly abhorrent. Yeah, this, as you said, is just one in many many uh, legislative proposals. 
um, trying to chip away at abortion rights. Um, do you see abortion as a right, or is it something something else? Is this if it's a right, um, then I don't I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here. If it's a right, then we can set limitations on it. I mean, legally, morally. Um, we certainly set limitations on freedom of speech and, you know, all the other freedoms that we have. Um, so these chipping away leg- pieces of legislation, um, is that is that an acceptable legal method for doing something, you know, to act on something that you think is, is wrong? Um, first, I want to deal with the question of is it a right? Um, and, and the truth is there's a lot of different ways to talk about abortion. And because I'm a minister, I tend to speak more from religious, moral, faith-based uh, perspectives about abortion. But when we're talking about legislation, the only thing we're talking about is rights, you know, the, the rights of citizens to move about in society in certain ways. And and I really wish we would get away from talking about, you know, the, the right to abortion and more specifically deal with the question of um, women's agency, you know, as citizens. Um, and, and if we really deal with that, then there won't be any such thing as permission slips for anything, you know, that, that if you are of age, you don't need a permission slip, <laughs> period, yes. no matter what the subject matter is. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean that you take away moral questions. It doesn't mean you take away philosophical arguments. It means dealing with simply women are full citizens, they are autonomous human beings, and they have equal rights to men in our society, in our country. And and when you begin from that place, then it it changes the shape of the conversation about abortion or you know, or anything else, and and it, but it ought to be with that foundation that we have any conversations about abortion. Again, we can still have religious arguments, we can have moral arguments, philosophical arguments, but but when we're putting something into law, we have to start from a particular legal foundation, and the foundation I want is the complete you know autonomy of women to to control their own bodies to control their own destinies. Um, you know, after that, we can't, you know, it's okay with me if we, we look at, you know, I, so much of the regulation, as I said, is specifically on abortion providers. I want abortion to be done safely by medical professionals. But many of the restrictions fall under the pretense of doing just that when, in fact, they're imposing restrictions that don't make abortion medically safer. And, you know, so imposing, uh, you know, certain laws uh, on how wide the hallways have to be in clinics or even which direction the ductwork flows. We have a lot in Virginia forced clinics to change the airflow in their ducts. It's, you know, it, it had nothing to do with the health of women. It had nothing to do with making abortion safer. The reality is that, you know, abortion clinics 
are regulated far more than any other medical clinics in this country. They should be regulated in exactly the same way that all medical facilities are regulated, which is to say, are they clean? Are the medical professionals licensed and qualified to do the jobs that they're doing? Are they obeying protocol? And, um, and you know, is, are the outcomes safe? And, yeah. and we can see that, you know, in... Most abortion, by far most abortion clinics in this country, you know, the, they do follow all regulations. They do, um, you know, the, the women are very safe there. We don't have, you know, it's very, very rare for us to hear about a death from abortion. And every single time we've heard of one in the past couple of decades, um, when, and, and they've always been fully investigated, but, you know, in, excuse me, I said every single time, that's not entirely true. Almost every time, you know, there's been a death, it's, it's been that the woman had a medical complication that, that also would, she would have died in childbirth as well, or she would have gotten um, incredibly ill during uh, the pregnancy because, uh, it, because that was a medical condition, you know, pre-existing condition that she didn't know and the doctors didn't know. Um, you know, in very rare cases, we have seen some, um, uh, there was a death a couple of years ago, you know, in Pennsylvania. And a very bad clinic, a very bad doctor that was, um, you know, not following proper protocol. Well, you know, as I said, I want there to be proper licensing. I want there to be proper inspections. But that doesn't mean treating abortion clinics differently from from every other medical clinic because, we want, you know, we, we, we hear about some other medical professions as well where, you know, there is some unscrupulous doctor and, and people are harmed, you know, because of those procedures and that person is shut down. That's the right way right. to handle that. But I want to, to give out our phone number again. It's 646-378-0430. And again, I would like to mention, I know we talked off the air, Rebecca, and we talked about the exception, if there is an exception in the bill for rape or for uh, domestic violence. or um, And apparently uh, there is nothing in the bill, although the representative did say, and this really upset me, that um, yes, there would be an exception for rape, but you have to prove it. Rape has traditionally been almost impossible to prove unless you believe the victim, unless there's, you know, forensic evidence and everything. You know, you have to – the statement just really, really bothered me because it makes it sound like, well, yeah, but, you know, we've got all of these fake, you know, rape things out there and we want to make sure we close a loophole so that these people can't just, you know, get an abortion because they claimed rape. Right. It um, doesn't immediately imply – that women are liars, and uh-huh. that that women are lying about rape, and um, it's it, you know again it's victim blaming. We know that the reality is that half of the women who are raped never report it to anyone, and and the of reason- the ones that are reported, mm-hmm. only a fraction of those actually see a trial, and of the ones who see a trial, only a fraction of those actually see punishment, and right. are, are found guilty. So of all of the rapes that occur in the world, if you're asking for them to be proven, 
mm-hmm. you're going to be waiting a really, really long time, just simply because of the way our our system works. Long um, after it's born. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that really bothered me, um, and uh, it also bothered me. You know, I kind of have this little stubborn streak. And I think, I mean, I'm way past the age where I have to worry about abortion, but I have daughters. And I just sit there thinking, what do you, politician, know about me and my life? You know nothing. How can you presume to make decisions for me? And what happens if I have that child and uh, maybe I'm a single mother and the boyfriend won't um, sign the permission slip that he proposes? Well, then what? I'm supposed to, you know, have another child that I can't care for, and then chances are if I go on welfare, you're going to tell me I'm just some sort of welfare queen. Um, It's just kind of a vicious cycle, I think. Am I exaggerating here, or do you see that as well? Not even a tiny bit. You know, there was actually a law passed in Florida, I think about a decade ago now, that required women to get a permission slip from a man before they placed a child for adoption. And it was a disaster. (laughs) It was an absolute disaster. And the next year that law was rescinded Um, because, you know, because men didn't want responsibility for the child, but yet they wouldn't sign or the woman wasn't able to locate the man. Or, you know, there's just all sorts of reasons that that permission slip couldn't get signed. And what they actually saw was a huge spike in abortions in Florida uh, after that law was passed. You know, the, because women didn't want to have to deal with that. It, they they didn't or they couldn't deal yeah. with it. You know, So women, even who were not originally intending to have abortion, suddenly said, well, I, they're forcing me into this. Um, so permission slips are just a bad idea overall. Um, you know, but but the whole the whole idea about quote legitimate rape, you know, which we heard um, a couple of years ago from Missourian Todd Aiken, um, it, it it is it immediately implies that women are liars. It and you know, and we know this is it, that the opposite is true that, you know, it's far more often that women won't come forward to talk about their rape because of the victim blaming that is done by the police that they have to talk to, by the hospital that is examining them, by, um, you know, and you said there's no way to, the only way to so-called prove a rape is to actually get to the other end of a court case. Um, I remember when I was young, you know, know, for decades, if not centuries, we've been training women on how not to get raped, which is we finally come to the point of saying, you know what, women have no control over this. It's not the women that, that can control whether or not to get raped. It is men that must control themselves and not do the raping. Um, but I remember when I was young and uh, was in a class on how not to get raped, you know, and and part of what was taught then was uh, try to, you know, if it's happening, just relax as much as you can because you're going to be harmed a whole lot more. You're going to have far worse injuries if you fight back, so don't fight back. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. now... And- now they yeah. say, well, you know, women are constantly being 
told where you weren't raped. You obviously weren't raped because we can't find, you know, the the skin under the fingernails or, you know, clearly you didn't fight back. You know, but sometimes she was drugged and she didn't even know she was being raped. You know, I've I've had calls from women who who call me up and say, I just had a pregnancy test and I'm pregnant. I have no idea when that happened. You know, I had to have been drugged at some point and I don't even know who the father is because I don't remember having sex in the past month. Um, you know, that's rape. If a woman doesn't say yes, it's rape. You know, it's assumed that it's no. Um, I know a lot of people who will say, um, if she got drunk, what did she expect? If she got, um, you know, if she was at the frat party and she drank too much, did she really think they wouldn't go for it? And I find that a huge insult to men. <laughs> really. Yeah, I mean, really. Themselves and that they're going yes, to... really, you just can't can't do it. We need to keep you on big long chains. Um, you know, I, I have a hard time uh, understanding the thinking about that because at the one, at, you know, on the one hand, we're saying, well, you know, it's her fault. She did the drinking. Da 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 da. But does that mean that she has a neon sign saying, go for it, you know, I won't object, you're allowed to, you know, you can, you know, disconnect from your leash. Um, It just, you know, and it seems to me any reasonable thinking person would not be interested, male or female, in a slobbering drunk. Um, That just doesn't seem sexy to me, but but then I'm old. (laughs) Well, I think that uh, as far as... Go ahead. It, all any sort of judgment like that. Also, you know, the, the person doing the judging, you know, I just I, I want them to point that finger back at themselves and say, really, have you personally never been drunk? Have you personally never been a bit out of control? Have you personally never been, um, you know, in a situation? Uh, you know, did you? Did you use birth control every single time you had sex? You know, did you always talk to the woman, you know, or the man ahead of time? No matter who's doing the judging, I just want them to think about their own lives and how much control they have always exercised over their own lives. You know, and to just have a little bit of compassion for other people who find themselves in untenable situations. Yeah. Well, and quite frankly, I think that alcohol. Whoops! I dropped my my. Uh coffee cup there. <laughs> um, I think that people see alcohol as a permission slip, if you will. We're coming full circle on that permission slip. Um, but things that they wouldn't do, they feel are okay if either they're drunk or the other person is drunk. Um, and I question, I'm not a big drinker, but I question sometimes how much of this uh, lack of inhibition is actually alcohol and how much of it is just a person's mindset that if alcohol is involved, that I'm not responsible uh, yeah. for what I do. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not a, a physiologist. I'm not, you know, I don't know. That, but that's my suspicion that a lot of things, you know, a lot of times with domestic violence or rape, that, well, alcohol was involved. I would not have done that otherwise. Um, and yet, <laughs> and yet, <laughs> I, I you know, think that it is. It, it, it's a crime to get behind the wheel of a car if you're drunk. Yes. And so we're saying that somebody has some control in that situation, you know, that 
is that either before you've had too many or um or in that moment you know that it 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 is absolutely a crime to get behind the wheel of a car if you're drunk so so what makes you think you know you can you know hit another person when you're drunk or that you can uh have uh, sex with another person when you're drunk and not worry about the consequences. Um, you know whether whether they're too drunk, you know, to know that they're having sex or not. Um, you know, it's a personal responsibility is an important thing. I don't think that allows us to, um, you know, to just make ourselves um, look like we can judge everybody else, but. But we need to really accept some personal responsibility and and also to say, no, alcohol and drugs don't get to be your excuse for harming other people, period. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Rebecca, we have um, covered the abortion issue quite well, I think. Um, I don't know. What what do you think is this, the uh, likely success of Representative uh, Bratton's bill? Uh, I, I hope it dies as quickly as it did last year. Um, uh, but, you know, truthfully in Missouri, because some abortion restriction generally gets passed, um, I certainly hope it's not that one. I don't think that would withstand any uh, constitutional challenge. Um, and and I think his, you know, his legal advisors would eventually tell him that. There are way too many problems with it legally, constitutionally. Um, you know, it's so. Uh, we so it's just him be, jumping up and down, saying, "Look at me! Look at me!" Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's yeah. it's more than that. I think he he's a true believer. <laughs> you know, he yeah. really, really believes that men should get to sign a permission slip for women to make a decision. And um, you know, it's what's just his more life than a, like? Yeah. What's his but, wife like? I, I read that he had five children, but there was no mention of his wife. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, I always wonder about that. I, I you know, whether, you know, because you kind of assume that, you know, that would be a very meek and mild woman. Sometimes, you know, sometimes that's certainly not the case. You know, I don't know. It's an interesting uh, uh, question, and I think it's an interesting topic. Um, no matter which side of the issue uh, you stand on, you have to look at these restrictions and say, okay, is that a reasonable thing? Uh, even though I don't believe in abortion or I don't believe in anti-abortion, is this law a reasonable thing to pass for our society? And um, I think that that's what we have to do with these things. Um, my feeling, I will tell you exactly what my feeling is on abortion. My daughter came to me as a young girl and said, okay, we talked, you know, a friend talked about an abortion. She said, what do you think about abortion? And I said, I think abortion is a horrible, awful, terrible choice, but sometimes it's the best choice. And I think it's up to each individual person to decide um, when or if they have a choice. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being with us. I like to close our show with a quote. Pretty tough today coming up with uh, a quote, but I think the thing that I took away uh, from this discussion about abortion uh, fits with this quote. This is from uh, Frederica Matthews Green. I have no idea who she is. No one wants an abortion as she wants an ice cream cone or a Porsche. She wants an abortion as an animal caught in a trap wants to gnaw off its own leg. I really, you know,
know, Rebecca, your comments on that? Oh, yeah. Abortion is for survival. There's no question about it. Okay, great. Great. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Rebecca, and uh, maybe you could come back sometime. I would love that. Enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Be sure to join us next week, and we will still be here on Three Women, Three Ways. Thank you for joining us.